Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays a clankus. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. And today, we're excited to welcome Mark Herleman from Beyond the Films back to the show. Mark, welcome back. How's it going? Hey, guys. Always good to be on the show. Can't believe yeah. it's been 10 years of Beyond the Films. And congratulations. You guys yeah, congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> I finally made it to you guys' decade club of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are about to go two decade though, right? right? You Oof. guys hit that halfway point yet? I mean, it goes quick. <laughs> Almost. We're about a year and a half out from uh, 15 years. We're just... We're actually just joking for the film. This podcast is going to start learning how to drive soon. It's yeah. a little scary. <laughs> I think I think we're going to need to have a plaque when we get to 15. Somehow the three of us get a plaque saying, yeah. hey, we made it 15 years and counting. Oh, boy. It's like yeah. a service award. There That's you go. We need exactly. a service yeah. award. Thought. Yeah. I like it. But Mark, you've yeah. been a, you've been there uh, for you know a lot you know for most of that that journey uh, as a regular guest. So we're excited to have you back on. I'm trying to think. I think the last time you were on was uh, the season premiere of Clone Wars season seven. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. 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 Excited to Man, have you back. It's been a while. <laughs> it has. I, I'm so I'm so excited because I get to wear my numbskull design uh, little Christmas hoodie, which is all Boba Fett. It, that so does I'm look like, awesome. You know, <laughs> I, I'm like cool. I, the only thing that sucks is that I didn't get the helmet for Christmas, but I get to stick with my little pun at Subway oh. of you know Christmas leaves me cold. No one ever gets me what I wanted. <laughs> well, I, n- not to make you jealous, my son did get the Black Series Boba Fett helmet. Oh, sweet! Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That and, this and is he, the he, way. Yeah, this this is the way. He's he's also done a lot of custom helmets where he will buy the three D printed and then he'll end up painting them up. But that's something nice. we can do for a different podcast because <laughs> you know that I I do my things and we do this, but we have an actual podcast to go through here. So, is there any news out there we have to talk about, William? Yeah, just a, just a bit. So, um, the uh, High Republic uh, Wave Three launched uh, just uh, earlier this week, and with it, they had a big, uh, you know, one year anniversary celebration and uh, some big announcements. So, uh, Wave Three uh, is the end of Phase One, and Phase Two, which begins in October, is going to. Uh, change things up a bit. Uh, and we're actually going to rewind the clock 150 years before phase one um, and uh, do a bit of a prequel. So, uh, does that make it wave zero? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> does it make it so wave phase confusing? two is wave zero, which is the sequel to wave three of phase one, which came after wave two. Exactly. Do I have that straight? Exactly. Okay. M- Mark, have you been... Uh, have you been following uh, the higher public at all what, what have you been thinking? yeah yeah i mean so i just got my uh, review copy of uh fallen star nice. like a day before they actually dropped for everybody else so i'm i'm not finished with the book um but i i heard that about it jumping back 150 years and i was just like the only thing i could think of is they, they're gonna tell us something about why markion rose family probably hates the jedi so much that seems to be like the one story that i could I could picture being relevant to the wave that they're just finishing because the entire time they were promising what the Nile were being this big threat. And it's like, yeah, you know, they've, they've done some attacks and stuff, but they're just glorified pirates, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm curious, but I'm not too. I don't know. I'm not too excited going backwards. I'm kind of, I want to go forward with this story and not backwards. So yeah. I'm curious. I don't know where they're going. And the only thing I could think of is this going to be a tie into the villains to make the villains seem more villainous because aside from one weapon that they've had and a few attacks at certain key moments, they really got nothing else going for them. I, I think for me, the, um, the, the plant-based aliens were the, the ones that were the most. Yeah. Thank you. The Dranger, I think, were more interesting that I would have loved to have uh, known a little bit more about. Yeah. I think for me, what's frustrating about this is you have to really be tied into the High Republic and understand there's comics, there's this, there's that, not just the main books. Because I'm kind of going through Fallen Star, and it seems like there's stuff I'm missing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to go back and invest in all that. I like it to where you keep it, but like when they did... Um, um, what the, the, the back in back in the Legends universe when they did um, why am I blanking on the Dawn of big the Jedi ones? Kotor? Thank you. When they yeah. did all that stuff and they kept everything within the main story, and it all tied together yeah. to to go branching out, kind of makes a guy like me confused. And yeah, yeah. So. Well, 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 what I noticed was with the Drenger, it was kind of like Luke going to the dark side. The only way you're going to see the end conclusion there is you got to read the comic. Because I was like, wait. Right. They're already done. Yeah, exactly. They yeah, read yeah, the yeah. comic. Yeah. I'm I was like, like wait, the they already solved quick. the whole drink gear? Yeah, the whole, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like, this, this would have been such a cool, like, give Joe Schreiber a, a Drenger yeah. story. Like, oh, that would be deep. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, like you guys, I, I feel like we were just starting to get, because it takes me a while sometimes to get attached to, like, new characters and stuff. We were just starting to get attached to the, getting, like, the characters more. And then, uh, I guess they're changing eras. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I wonder if what phase three will do. Will they go back, you know, post phase two? Um, I, I don't know. I guess I wish they hadn't used the phase terminology if they're jumping back and forth in time. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting, surprising development. That's all. Yeah. So we will see. It's going to be a bit longer for wait. Typically, they did been doing like January and July. Um, but phase, uh, two begins in October. So we're going to have a 10 month wait Dang. or so, uh, mm. for the next time to digest wave. all that stuff. Exactly. Yep. Read Just more like Thrawn. the drink gear. No. Um, <laughs> and with that, Tom, shall we, uh, switch gears and talk about, I think what everyone's really excited to, uh, to dive into today. The book. Sure. Of we're going to be. Our review tonight is going to be the episode run uh, episode, the book of Boba Fett chapter two, the tribes of Tatooine directed by Steph green and written by John Favreau. In this episode, Boba Fett faces new challenges on Tatooine. I really like this episode. This I think was the longer episode than the first one. This was clocking close to an hour, mm. almost in the 50 minute range. And I think it made, you had to watch the first episode, but that first episode made this one so much more stronger. But this one was so much well connected that I like how it, it it just stayed in the present and then it went to the past and it stayed that way. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we got a lot more. I feel like the story is now starting to pick up, which is really exciting. And we're yep. starting to get a lot more, uh, um, you know, uh, some momentum especially in the in the present but before we dive in i'm curious mark w w to get your thoughts what, what did you think what do you think of the show so far overall i you know i'm enjoying it like i 
we did our year in review episode and I was ex- expressing then that I wasn't going to expect the show to flop. And I'm surprised with how many people weren't impressed with the first episode. I liked the first episode a lot. This one picks up right off that. We're still kind of building the world here of mm-hmm. what happened to Boba Fett, what happened to him between the time between his dad getting his head cut off. And now, I mean, like every time they go to the, the Bacta tank, dreams like tom said you know it just shifts to that and and the rest of the episode takes it i I love that aspect of the story like and and the fact that it's you know the tribes of tatooine is just so beautiful because you know you pick up the native tone of the the tuscans you know like i i definitely felt the native american vibe going on with them a lot throughout the story and and the way that uh uh, boba fett what the the heck is uh his name Tamar? Tamara? Oh, Tamara Morrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The way he brings his Maori to it when, when he's like the mask off when he's with them, like it, you just, there's a really cool aspect of heritage throughout mm-hmm. this episode that I enjoyed, as well as when we're, we're doing all the stuff in the, uh, the Tatooine past, like it's got that old West feel, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah, the train heist and stuff, but it wasn't there, you know, they're attacking it and taking it down. I really enjoyed that scene it was probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing, mm-hmm. but seeing how Boba Fett gets brought in to their tribe and, you know, is elevated in a sense, cause he's got to do it all over again without the armor. And to me, it was like the whole Peter Parker, Iron Man moment, you know, what are you without the suit? And that's what we're finding out. So I'm not expecting these moments to be totally badass, but there's a promise of badassery when you get the moment with the, the hut showing up and we get to see, you know, uh, Chris Danson show up like, you know, something's coming down the road. And that (laughs) had me just like, cause like that was a moment that I was excited about, but it happened so quick that I was just like, then I watched it the second time and I'm like, okay, dude, we're, we're definitely, they never come and just let something like that drop. Like we're going to get to watch a badass fight between these two characters at some point. And like, that's got me tickled. And, yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of character development throughout this with characters that don't even really talk. And right. it, it was just really cool, man. Like I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm just surprised that there are elements of the fandom that are really having a very visceral, different reaction than I'm having. Um, I, I'm enjoying the slow burn so far. Yeah, you brought up a whole bunch of exciting stuff. That I think is we're gonna we're gonna dig into because I think there's a lot to discuss in the, in there. Um, let's 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 you know I think so. The, this episode, I think Tom, as you mentioned, it's structured into really two parts. Instead of doing constant flashbacks, or as I mm-hmm. think we should start calling them flashbacktas. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, no, can we can we re-record that where you you just don't say that? That you don't like flashback uh, I didn't like it the first time and I really didn't like it when you just did it again so <laughs> yeah please not 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 again no well the good news is only one so I, I really yeah, yeah I liked how this episode felt a lot more focused you know and yeah. while we still don't really know exactly why Boba is doing what he's doing right now why he wants to take over Jabba's you know uh, empire of sorts his criminal empire um the the story is really starting to get interesting, and they spend the first third of the episode or so on the present day, and then they do that flashback, um, and and spend the rest of the very very long episode uh, uh, on the the Tuscan. So let, let's talk about the present first. Um, what did you guys think of the whole like interrogation of the Nightwind assassin and the the Rancor pit? <laughs> 
Man, I got a kick cool. out of it. But the Mark, you you go first. I know I, I you, you can jump right in, man. I I just thought it was really cool that the way we got to that point. You know, I mean, when when those guys attacked, uh, the way they attacked before uh, Fennec Shan tracked the guy down and brought him back, and he's like, bring him back alive. Like I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then she kind of brings him in all by himself. But the little shield things they had were, were really cool. And the fact that the guy, when he when he gets in there, he just doesn't say a word. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know who he was at first. I and I totally from his eyes, I thought he was the guy that played uh, Michael Scott in The Office. Like, <laughs> oh, Steve, you thought he was Steve Carell? <laughs> yes, I totally thought he was Steve Carell at first. I'm like, oh man, yeah. Um, no, it was uh, uh, Paul Darren, I believe, or, or Darnell. Part Darnell uh, rhymes with Steve Carell a little bit. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, man, his eyes, dude, like, oh, those, that was, that was a great, again, a lot of these moments that there was like nothing really going on, but they just carried so much weight. Mm. <laughs> that was one. Yeah. I, I think the best part I, for me was the the whole thing about, you know, you're going to talk and, oh, he's not going to talk. He's this guy. Okay. We're going to possibly, you know, you know, cut off his head to make him talk. And it's like, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to feed you to the Rancor. And you saw the look of terror <laughs> on his face. And it takes you all the way back to Return of the Jedi where Luke falls into the Rancor pit, and basically down the same kind of thing. He goes right through the trapdoor you see and basically tumble into it, just like Luke did, and the scared thing and the and the things going up and going up. I will tell you honestly, this is what I expected. I expected a baby Rancor to just come up out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, but I think it was it was best that it was basically there was no Rancor. I yeah. thought that was that was perfect. I, I feel like if he'd been paying attention, he would have re- realized that the entire palace is like deserted. There's no one there. <laughs> right. But it, it was it was a right. funny moment. Stephen, I think you had some thoughts. I was, I was gonna say I really appreciated the the uh, shot mirroring we got between episode six and this one. Like particularly, yep. there's the great shot up through the grate of Boba yep. Fett and Fennec mm-hmm. Shand is there. Like the the litter, whatever it is, is kind of pulls over. Which mm-hmm. A very nice touch that made that entire sequence work, I think. Yep. Totally yep. I just kind of wish that when the gate was lifting, where the Rancor was supposed to be behind it, that he hadn't waited so long. Because, like, at first, you know, you're like, okay, the Rancor could come out any second. But, like, once you could see the window in the back, you're like, dude, that room is clearly empty. And he's like, <laughs> the mayor sent me! <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said, I think the funny thing would have mm. been, even though the comedy was there and you didn't want it to go push it further. A little baby rancor just come toddling out and nowhere like, Oh, so, okay. So the, we find out like, you know, the, the night wind assassin, he, he says the mayor sent him, but when Boba and Fennec get to the mayor's office, they find out that it sounds like it's, it's not the mayor or at least not ultimately behind it. And, and we meet the, the twins who we'll talk about in just a minute. But do, do yeah. you, what do you guys think is going on here? Like, is the mayor still involved in this? Is well, he still behind it? Extremely disrespectful to Fett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that, cause I, I, it was the mayor that was like, well, you know, you should ask who really sent him. Like, right. And so I had a hard time trusting him because I'm like, this mm-hmm. guy's already like, you know, if, if he serves at Boba Fett's pleasure, well, he wouldn't have snubbed him right out the gate and, yeah. and pretended like he didn't know who he was. Like, I, right. 
So I don't know. I feel like there's more going on, but I think it's cool that the mayor was a Thorian. Like, I, and the fact yes. that he actually was speaking in a Thorian yeah. and they were translating it. And I didn't know that that was Robert Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, neither did voice. I. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool because uh, yeah, it must be nice. It was a cool looking character. You know, they had a little fuzz mm-hmm. on him. He wasn't more like a reptilian bearskin like a lot of the ones that we've seen in comics and in you know other RPG materials that we've gotten in the past. So I thought that was kind of cool. He looked a bit more lived universe. You know, like mm-hmm. it definitely felt uh, real. Character design and costume design on the show continues just be phenomenal. Right on all fronts. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And and also and also the real world aspect of here comes Boba Fett and Phoenix Shan into the mayor's office and the guy's like, do you have a, do, do you have an appointment? Uh, <laughs> we don't see are you, you in the, the book? <laughs> yeah. yeah let, let, let me see. Are, are you on the schedule? I mean, I, I you're sitting there watching it and you really just don't want to laugh. But that was. I liked it. I liked that scene. I liked how it played out. And and I just I I found it not hysterically funny, but. When the the major domo comes out and she's like, oh no 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 no, we'll 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 get you and we'll get you and we'll get you in. And it's like, no no no, you can't go back there. No, you can't go back there. And they still go back there. Yeah, yeah. I also thought it was it was interesting. I, they kind of use this scene to reinforce that Boba's not a bounty hunter anymore. Because initially right. the mayor's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, thanks for you know uh, bringing in the Nightwind assassins. They're not the, the order of the Nightwind is not allowed to operate in this sector. So here's your bounty. And he's like, I'm not a bounty. You know, I'm not a bounty hunter. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's I, I think that kind of shows that, you know, Boba is, he has, you know, other plans. Now he doesn't consider himself to be a bounty hunter anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also get that nice, I, I think it was a Mandalorian reference where uh, the mayor says that, you know, r- running a criminal uh, family or whatever, I don't know the exact words he said, is more complicated than bounty hunting. And of course, you know, in the Mandalorian, we have bounty hunting is a complicated profession. So I think it's a it's a nice little subtle reference there. I, I In fact, it was after watching uh, these two episodes, I was watching some of the Mandalorian and, and I saw when din's crossing their land you know he gives them tribute and we we watch later in in the flashback you know mm-hmm. boba kind of asserts some dominance for the tuscans of that valley but i was kind of thinking back on my my second watch through you know maybe he became the what is it the dy- dynamo or dime dynamo dy- yeah dynamo. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like maybe he's taking this role for them, you know, like adding some authority to everything he's done for them mm-hmm. in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking forward to finding out why exactly it's important that he snub the huts. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. even he's like, you know, this this is this is probably not over. But he's like, maybe it's over. And Fen- uh, Shen's like, no, it's not over yet. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, when, we can we can probably talk about that when it gets to the second part of the episode, because I think he did bring up something when he was talking to the Pikes, which totally I love seeing the Pikes yeah, yeah, well, in this. That was yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that part <clears throat> later, because I think I have something about that. Mm-hmm. But the you know, I think to to your point, um, you know, we still don't know why he wants to, you know, run Jabba's empire. And as we discussed in our episode last week, you know, the, Jabba's palace is empty. There's like no one right. there. It's not like he inherited all these people. He has a building and he has two Gamorrean guards. That's literally all he inherited from, from what Jabba. What more could you need to run a criminal and, empire? And technically, you know, this, rank- well, he doesn't <laughs> even have a rancor, rank- right? And, yeah. you know. Technically, the mayor is supposed to get, you know pay him tribute, and and Madame uh, 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 Garza is supposed to 
pay him tribute. And there's all these other uh, uh, groups that, that are supposed to, you know, obey Boba, but there's nothing really forcing them to, you know, he doesn't have any Mm -hmm. real sway over them in any way. Um, You know, and so it's, it's why, why is Boba wanting to do this? I don't know, but I suspect you're right, Mark. I suspect it might have something to do with the Tuscans and that maybe that they'll flesh that out in the, the coming episodes. In the meantime, though, I really appreciate how at least, even if we don't know why Boba is trying to do this, at least now there's a group um, uh, kind of, there's a, there's an antagonist now, you know, yeah. we, because previously it was like Boba just, you know, walking around saying, okay, pay me, pay me. And some people are like, you know, snubbing him a little bit and that's it. But the introduction of the huts for me really, you know, ramped things up a notch and really mm-hmm. makes this conflict a lot more have a lot more stakes now that we know mm-hmm. that Jabba's cousins, the the Hut twins, want to regain his uh, their cousin's territory. Such a cool moment. Well, yeah, and then yeah. they legally seem obligated to. And that guy right. pulls open the little document. And Fetch is like, oh, I don't care what that says. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. From from my perspective, uh, when they mentioned the twins, I guess I went back to I think episode four when Luke first came into the Moss Eisley Cantina. There were that quote unquote set of twins. There were two females that were off in the corner. I never made the connection that it was it was basically huts that were the twins. Right. I thought right. it was somehow because because didn't they do something later within the comics or a story or something where they yeah, actually those, developed those sisters? Those two? I mm-hmm. want to say were assassins too. I yeah. Believe. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought that when they mentioned twins, they were talking about that, and then they were the ones that actually took over, because you know they were they were to my opinion they're already there, so right, right. You know, and and getting back to something Stephen had mentioned, the character does, uh, design in this episode, when we get to the location of uh, Garza from the mayor's office because he's like you know you need to check with her and and he shows up there and that's how we find out the huts because the huts started drumming and stuff all the twi'leks in that room and all the other aliens and stuff man the costumes look so legitimately real like mm-hmm. i think if that's what they're gonna do at the uh the disney world uh park at the on the house like That'd be so cool to be walking yeah. around and seeing an Ithorian and all these Twi'leks walking around. The huts looked incredible too. I have to say, I thought they, yeah. the CG on them looked fantastic. Uh, Steven, what, what were your thoughts on all of this? No, I completely agree. And I'll say, uh, I kind of wish this was the first episode of the show. Mm-hmm. I, I still wish we got a little bit more yeah. context for why Boba is doing the things he's doing. But this, this episode had the pieces, especially in the present day story that we're missing from the first one. We have an mm-hmm. antagonist. We have a conflict of, oh, who's going to be, you know, the, the the sheriff of the town, um, keeping with kind of the Western theme. Uh, all exactly, I think, what the show needed. And so have, kicking off this way was, I thought, worked really, really well. And I'm excited to see mm-hmm. where they go with this, mm-hmm. the rest of the story. In fact, I was a little disappointed yeah. that we spent the rest of the episode in the past, although the past stuff was good, but it was just... Yeah. Great. We we've established an antagonist. We've established a conflict. Now now I want to see more of the conflict, please. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I almost I think... get the feeling like how the Marvel shows of doing their thing, like like this being more of a character based show. It's gonna be like Kenobi and they're gonna be real short, uh, but really mm. give us a lot. And I, I, I kept thinking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the way it played out. And and I get those kind of vibes with the story here and the the dual 
realisticness of the past and the present, I feel like they're definitely both going to come to a, a point where we realize why they're intersecting so well. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just how did Fett get here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Do, well, I, I guess, do you think they'll continue to, fl- uh, maybe we'll save this. Let's actually, let's save this topic for, for after we discuss the, uh, the flashback. But I, I wonder, you know, right. I suspect they'll continue, but I guess we'll see. In the, in the meantime, though, um, I, I do have one more thing. Yeah. When it comes to the costume design and set designs, I think I was, I was talking to my son about this, that the one thing about this show that's kind of, I think is lacking for me, at least it's the grittiness. It's the, it's supposed to be star Wars. It's, it's like when you go into that club, it's a little too clean. Okay. The, the streets of Mos Espa are a little too clean. Now years have passed since episode four, things have changed. And this is Moss Espa instead of Moss Eisley. Moss Eisley could have been something different to where it is that little grimy drum, you know, and all that. Like but Tombstone. to me, yeah, like Tombstone. This, this, I think even when you look at Mandalorian in some cases, some of the areas are just that little bit grimy, a little bit dirty, a little bit this, doesn't look like, you know, they, they've been around for a while. There's to me, it just seems like a little too clean. Go ahead, Steven. Another Sorry. thing I noticed in this episode that I think is similar to what you're saying, Tom, is I was a little disappointed that all of our uh, Moss Eisley sequence or Moss Espa sequences were the same alleys and buildings effectively that we saw last episode. Um, when the episode kind of kicks off and they're walking into the town, it's the same alley where they I think they were ambushed in the previous episode. They go see the mayor, new building, cool. Come out immediately. Go back to uh, I'm just gonna say the, the is it the bar or whatever the Twilight Building, um, and that's well, it's basically the nightclub. Yeah, the nightclub yeah. and it, the that design for all of these is yeah is fantastic, but when we only see like the same streets, it makes it feel a little bit smaller, mm-hmm. despite the fantastic right. establishing shots. Oh yeah, right. gorgeous. I mean, it, it looks like it's this really big, huge city that just grew out of nowhere. But I agree with you, Stephen. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. No, it's exactly what I was I was going to agree with because when you see the first shot of the city, it's massive. You know, I yeah. watched it with my kids, and that was they thought it was uh, most isolated. I'm like, no, 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 this isn't that city. This is this is like Portland and Grants Pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's I I, I I totally agree with with all that. Hopefully, we'll get to see more of the city as we go along um but it also could just could be budgetary you know yeah. reasons like the yeah. a lot of the props and everything from this show i'm sure were reused from the mandalorian because there's a lot of crossover mm-hmm. you know still have a lot of tuscans and smaller so it might it might be a smaller budget overall or or allowing them to right. spend more of the budget on special effects or right. whatever and that we makes are. sense because they are set in the same ta- uh, same time frame on the same planet at mm-hmm. times so yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing it's, it's just right yeah i'll say and this is also a show that i i assume was filmed during covid yeah uh which yeah. probably puts some constraints on what they can and can't do as far as sets and so on it's a great point yeah it's a great good point, point. yeah but before we leave the the present, I, I did want to bring one. This episode had had um, two or technically three surprise cameos in it. We'll get to the the, the other two, one and a half later. Um, cause technically, it's like you know a couple. But um, <laughs> the the introduction of Black Kersantan from Who? the comics. Um, yeah. 
Now I don't I don't read I'm not as up on the comics as often. Um, that's the, I think the one gap I have in my in my Star Wars knowledge. Um, so I actually didn't recognize them on the first viewing. Right, but I, I don't, agree. Mark, you're you're you follow the comics very closely. You know, what were your thoughts on bringing in Black Kersantan from? Uh, I I thought that was pretty cool because one, it's that that touch on what else can we bring from Dr. Afro or the Darth Vader comics and stuff in the Star Wars mainline comics that they've put out in the last five years. Uh, I mean, great stories. And that was my only complaint is like in the comics, his scar is really vivid. And in this, like I had, I had to squint and look, I'm like, where I finally found it on the, on my third viewing. Mm. Um, but man, he's just a badass looking character in general, yeah. though. Yeah. When he comes in, he's hulking, but he comes in behind the huts who are on this big dais. And so, like, he looks small. And then you look at where he's standing next to the buildings, you realize he's mammoth. Like, the <laughs> dude is just every bit like he is in the comics. So, I mm. love that. Um, you know, he's gone toe to toe with uh, Chewbacca. He got the scar on his eye from Kenobi. Um, but a lot of people are pretty excited because of the fact that he's most known from the Africa comic and they're hoping like maybe somehow some way she's going to get some kind of cameo mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know how they would pull that off per se but i mean i wouldn't see it being too far-fetched at some point between the mandalorian stuff i mean you can find her on any one of the planets that they're at with some kind of archaeological thing going on and just have her be like oh yeah i've had to run in with the empire like and the fact that it was such a small cameo like that where he didn't even really say anything he just growled ominously like those to me are the best kind of cameos because you could do that a lot and it's, right. it's some people be like it's fan service but he didn't even speak so you know that's a great kind uh, of fan service when i'll say as so like william not big on the comic side uh had no idea it was a pre-established character but his his just the character's design evokes i'm gonna say evokes cool and you know a threatening mm -hmm. aura so yeah. the fact that like with regardless of whether he's fan service or not, awesome inclusion and I thought worked right. really well. Like fan service to me is when it only works if it if you know who it is. This works right. even though I had no idea that it was a reference to you know other material. Yeah, and I, I think the Mark you pro, you you may know better than I, but I, I believe that you know he w used to work for Jabba at times, and in fact Boba I think and Black Kersantan both had jobs the same took the same jobs at times so. You know, they've, they've crossed yeah. paths, and I, I like that little look between the two of them. And Boba only called him a gladiator, but there yeah. was that look where he was like, I know you, you know, mm -hmm. stay back type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that and that was that when uh, Black Christensen turned from him and left with the huts, he gave uh, him that, like... Uh, like it was almost like the rock smolder eye. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude. <laughs> and when I when I watched it the second time, thinking about you know the promise of what could come later with the mm -hmm. character, I'm like, dude, that we're gonna be in for an awesome fight. Like I, I almost right? yeah. I almost hope that they don't kill the Wookiee because I I, I just I they could, I, dude. <laughs> I I would I would hope not, but I think the best thing about it is they give Boba Fett an actual, um, let's say on par enemy. Uh, and I think that's what, well, on par or maybe a little bit bigger because, hey, he is a Wookiee who likes to probably rip off arms like was established by Chewbacca in, Hans, in the Solo movie. So I, I just, I like the character introduction. Again, I've only heard the Afro audiobooks that I've got, so I never really connected because I never saw the actual artwork. But right. regardless, I love that character, love the design, and I'm looking forward to seeing 
I don't think I've always said if you're going to call attention to something, you better use it. Well, right. they've made they've made a great. We're going to call attention to this great big honking Wookie. <laughs> yeah. Think we're not going to use him at some point? <laughs> exactly. So evil that he is not even allowed to come back to Kashyyyk and the other Wookiees disdain him. That's how dishonorable he is. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's, yeah. You know, cool. they're setting, they got to be setting something up. And, you know, I also love the little line they dropped about how Fennec said, you know, if they want to kill the Huts, the twins, they're going to have to get permission. It's like, ooh, that's yeah. a really fascinating mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's a, that's a total shand moment though. She's like, this is how we kill it. Like, and that's like her answer to everything is kill it. Yeah. <laughs> so like at the, the beginning when Fitz like, shand, I need him alive. Like, yeah, you can't kill this one. Stop it, girl. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Look, Boba was just tired of being told he couldn't disintegrate things and he's just yeah. gotta pass it along. It's just, you know, it's what's the phrase like when you're, res- when you have restrictions, you're able to grow to the challenge, but all the better. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I guess we'll we'll see. They kind of left the the plot a little open ended w- because the huts are kind of like, uh, we're gonna deal with this later, uh, and they just kind of walk away. Um, we've got we've got a, a dinner thing we got to get to, you know. <laughs> exactly. And I did love those huts too, like the character design, the way they like were, you know, these twins on the same litter, like they go everywhere together. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool character design, and I'm excited to see the what happens. The detail of uh, all of the litter holders struggling yeah. throughout <laughs> that sequence. You don't want to carry one like, hut, yeah. let alone two huts. <laughs> yeah. And, and then on top of that. You see them trying to shift the weight and, like, you know, manage, and it was fantastic. And on top of that, the detail of that little little mouse or whatever that was used as a puffball <laughs> to wipe the sweat off of one <laughs> of the hut's faces and dropping it. I'm looking at that going. Ah, uh, you know, it's like a, it's a little makeup thing, and all of a sudden they see these legs on the second yeah. viewing. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was a creature. You're like, what is he? And he had tattoos, and so did she, which got you know kind of reminded me of Zero the Hut from the mm-hmm. Clone Wars. So I'm yep. like, yeah, you know, I, I think more huts should have tattoos. Honestly, they look cooler when they got the tats. I, I don't know why, but I love Zero. <laughs> the only downside, the twins. We got the twins instead of Stinky. We could have had a Stinky cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's Stinky? No. Like, Stinky's the That's heir to the point. to the throne, like right. Yeah, but we're yeah. just gonna get a scene right of Boba like in. killing Stinky, you know, like mine. <laughs> oh yeah, like that. That's a good point. You know, I mean, that's that was like my latching on to the Waru story in in Legends. I'm like, he needs to be in here. He needs <laughs> to come back. But. In this case, like, yeah, I mean, who would have the best claim to the throne? It would be Stinky if Stinky's alive. I mean, we don't know. But, but, we don't know. But think of it. Think of it this way: but, the twins are basically holding down the thing until Stinky becomes of age, <laughs> right? That's and it, then that's Stinky it. will take over. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. it's, or it's I mean, whole hey, Bruce Stinky, thing, you know, Stinky spent some time with the Jedi. Maybe he's just a little more on the straight and narrow than Jabba ever was. You know, <laughs> the, as possible. The they cut him out of the family. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's uh, Sticky, you're such a disappointment. You haven't Chuta. even bribed anyone. <laughs> <laughs> to the desert with you. Like, you never no, fed anyone to the Rancor. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so that that's pretty much it in the present. I, I Like you said, Steven, I wish they'd gone a little more. But I'm so excited about the 
the aspects now they've set up. They, they're, they're starting to set all the pieces into place. And I hope the momentum continues with the yep. storyline. And I, I kind of hope the, the storyline shifts more to focus on the present while keeping, you know, a bit of the past in there as well. But let's talk about the, the flashback to, um, Oh God, William. (laughs) Um, Actually before I'm going to use your segue, I'll say I, I'm not wild about the use of the Bacta as a, I don't know what to call it. Like, uh, narrative device here. Oh, like, got it. It because every time it happens, I'm left confused of like, why does Boba Fett need to go into Bacta? By all I'm accounts, he sure seems that... to be doing fine. Well, it's because but... he's still got the uh, Sarlacc juice and scarring. Because in the but, flashback well, we, scenes, he's kind of whitish, got like this yeah. weird coating. But on we didn't him still. see anything like that hinted at in the Mandalorian. Like by all accounts, he seemed to be kind of just fine. Mm-hmm. But, so but it, it's that. Put it this way. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Finish it's your just thought. that difference is where I think I'm getting a little thrown because it feels like I mm-hmm. going after we watched the Mandalorian. My take was Boba's back and he's better than ever. And having him, you know, in the first episode, you know, there's a very minor fight and it feels like oh he's got a struggling to get into the back to tank because some he's so wounded felt a little off and so I. I get that they're using it as the device to show us when we're going into, you know, back in time, so to speak. Mm. I just, I think I would have preferred them to do something different or explain or give me some reason why suddenly he's so desperate for Bacta. Well, maybe, maybe that's something to where we will find out now. Maybe whatever happened is something that happened between the Mandalorian and this, or maybe it was a, let's say, delayed reaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know. Maybe he had a back tank in Slave 1, you know? Uh, He just, you don't see him in between episodes of the Mandalorian. He's like, oh, I need this. (laughs) Well, I'm starting to see the miracle aspects of Bacta. I mean, you know, if you're all scarred up and you can get into it 20 years later and it can slowly turn your skin back to being, you know, fresh and juvient, because that's what it's looking like, Mm -hmm. um, I, because I noticed he had said that the dreams are back, so I kind of got the impression that you know while we're seeing it when he's in the back to tank, he's been having the dreams mm-hmm. probably since his dad passed away. Um, but like you know, because you see the, the uh, aspect of it where it's like uh, Camino gets brought in at right. times, um, and so you know I, I wonder how that ties into things as well because I, I liked how they used the back to tank as the oh that's why he's having. You know the point i don't know i thought it was right. a it worked for me kind of thing <laughs> i mean i let me posit a different theory which is it's not about you know the dreams i suspect i should say started there was i don't know some i'm i'm seeing like a scratching on top of his brain from like a lizard potentially and you know that's got to do some damage got right? it yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah no that that was that was mm. that was fun um yeah it kind of it kind of reminded me of a certain movie that had kind of like the same thing although that kind of lizard never went inside anybody's nose just set things on fire but um yeah i, I know what you're getting that at. was a weird thank you gift like thanks for helping <laughs> us here's a okay, lizard wait. that's gonna crawl inside your up your nose into your brain show yeah. you how to go find a random tree in the desert while you're hallucinating Hopefully you can make sure you remember, you remember to bring the branch back because then we'll help you, you know, turn it into a gaffy stick. Like, okay. Okay. Cool, for, but for also very up, weird. 
<laughs> First off, I bought into the whole thing, and now I want to start making gaffy sticks instead of lightsabers. I'm sorry. <laughs> I happen to have a walking stick I had from Scouts that has the perfect curve on the top Ooh. that I keep yes. joking to myself that if I ever become to where I need a cane, this is the perfect cane. Well, now I may turn it into a gaffy stick. There you go. Do yeah. It. Do it. It was cool. It was yeah, weird, I mean, but it was cool. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'll Steven, say broad, like very broadly speaking, we can talk about the individual pieces. Uh, I like the so oh God, where do I even start for this? When I was playing, I watched the episode in two pieces. I, I watched the first, basically the the modern day, and then I watched the past day the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I was impressed. I was like, wow, this is almost an hour long. Like especially compared to some of the episodes of the Mandalorian we got. Like that's like three Mandalorian episodes. That's <laughs> right. really impressive. Um. I loved how much time they spent on just Tuscan culture is I yep. think the way to describe it from God, I did like from the robes to the dances, to the learn, like, you know, learning of how to fight with a gaffy stick to the gaffy stick creation, how they um, find water. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's like, you know what? Let's forget the Boba Fett stuff. I mean, he's there obviously, but like, we just get like, uh, Who's the guy who does uh, British like nature documentaries? Is that is it David Attenborough? Like let's yes, just get a, a nice yeah. like you know long shots and you know David Attenborough British voice telling me all about the Tuscan culture. Here we can see the mm-hmm. Tuscans searching for Disney water Plus. in the sand of Dune the Dune Sea. <laughs> uh, it like like the ship walkthrough thing. We can maybe get a Disney Plus show that they do that. We yeah. Go around the galaxy. Too funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the depth they're adding here is just fantastic, and I'm all for it. Yeah, it's it's. Cool. I liked the little subtle details of the of the tribe too, like the main tent, the entranceway had a pole that they could grab it from the bottom and turn it up, and it would lock the tent closed. I was like, dude, mm-hmm. that is so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love seeing their 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 culture and kind of diving more into the the Tuscans. It's really cool. I'm glad they spent so much time on it. Um, but I also kind of feel like we're, you know, between the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett, I'm like, okay, I think they've done a really good job setting it up. And now I kind of want to see some other stuff, you know, um, like it's cool. I really appreciated it. Uh, um, but I don't, I guess I'm very curious to see if they'll continue to do flashbacks. Um, now that they've, they've kind of answered all the big questions and now that they, have to have mm-hmm. flashbacks that only answer questions, but they showed us right. him get him how he how he made his gaffy stick that we saw in the Mandalorian. We saw how you know he got his robes right before he goes and or when he comes back from his vision, hallucinogenic vision, and and gets mm-hmm. to the branch. They give him his the black Tuscan robes. Um, so we saw how he has that. Um, I think any future flashbacks they do, I'm they, which I suspect they'll continue the format, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it, my guess is it'll be more of like maybe how he got to where he is in the Mandalorian, but they've answered all the yeah. big questions. That That's exactly well, what I'm thinking is one more flashback to that point. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe put whatever else that they could tie element little into the present. That will be the last time that they could inject that into the past and make one of those type of, but yeah, I, I, I see one, one more time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see him doing more see, stuff now. Like I, I think it was awesome. Right. I love the Tuscan episodes but now that we've had like you know these the last two episodes in the book of Boba Fett plus you know one or two in the Mandalorian um I feel like we've had a really good glimpse of Tusking culture and now I want to see mm-hmm. other aspects of Tatooine you know right. or so, or other planets ideally 
the way I was thinking about this episode in particular, William, I, I don't entirely disagree, but I'll say uh, I looked at this episode as if this was an episode that was made for TV, 95% of the Tuscan culture pieces would have been cut out. Yeah. Yep. Easy things that Agreed. cut for time. Agreed. Agreed. The, it's, yeah. This is one of the magic things of, hey, we're uh, primarily streaming television versus, you know, mm-hmm. cutting for commercial is uh, the director who I'm going to. Uh, Steph Green and John Favreau. They had they clearly had an idea for what Tuscan culture would look like, or and mm-hmm. whoever else was involved in the show. Like, I don't know where specifically it came from, but well, it, and I, they, I think and they saw an opportunity to bring it to life. And I'm all for I loved it sharing and yeah. showing. It. Yeah, um, I'm glad they didn't little, cut it out. Yeah, and and there was a little piece I think that was done by Tamar Morrison and uh, Monty Nguyen, in which they were talking about that. Tamar Morrison brought this in. This is his culture. Mm-hmm. He brought this in from New Zealand, so he he. Go go watch this little. I, I think I found it sometime today on on YouTube. Um, but go watch it, and he explains how he brought in, you know, how that different part of the culture into the Tuscan Raiders. And yeah. I appreciate this because it's giving the Tuscans a better backstory mm-hmm. than what we originally got from A New Hope, what we got mm-hmm. from uh, Episode uh, One when it came to the pod races. I mean, he also sat there and said, and I think this is one of the reasons why he's doing this. He basically told the Pikes that this is their land. And if you're going to start taking these trains through their land, you're going to have to start paying a toll yep. because you're basically on their land. And he's and standing cool up for was that. It that they actually referenced the Tatooine used to have oceans. I was like, dude, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, love, love that whole thing. Oh, I, and mm-hmm. let's so here's Steven. Go ahead. No. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the, the one thing I felt was missing I mean, we talked about this for the beginning. It was, it was the Boba Fett's motivation is missing context. I'm especially feeling that in the past. I I love that Boba Fett is helping them, you know, take out the Pike train and so on. But why is he helping them? I I almost wanted to see like a bigger sequence where like, oh, Boba Fett's got a speeder now. He can leave. He can go find Slave One. He can go try and find his armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is he staying? And it's. Like, I think all I wanted to see was like a scene where Boba, like Boba Fett expresses, hey, you've saved me and I owe you. I thought yeah. like seeing that type of connection would have been perfect. You saved me it and was... imprisoned me and then put me to work and then I escaped. Well, okay. and, I mean, endured myself you to you and then I owe you. <laughs> but I get your point. It, it, it's missing of what I love that Boba Fett is protecting the Tuscan lands. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. What, it, what is putting pushing him to do this? Um, I suspect maybe they're yeah. trying to show that he's has a bit more heart, you know, uh, and that, you know, he wants to help these people who can't help themselves. Like, you know, as we see, like in the case of the repulsor train speeding through the repulsor train, just they're, they're shooting the Tuscans as the train goes by and they're getting decimated. And I think it's but trying it's to show like they that they just started shooting them. And like if if it were a case of the train goes by and just starts shooting at the Tuscans, I think that would have been fine. But it it's a pretty equivalent. Like the Tuscans are shooting back immediately oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, they may yeah, not oh, be yes, winning for sure. But it's it was missing. Yeah, which I like. I I think that would also be a great motivation. Boba Fett says, "Hey, you guys are being decimated. Let me help." Right. I just, I the only thing we have to go for motivation is in for the entire show so far is I want to res- rule with respect, not fear. Yeah, he wants why it's about for honor. Yeah, agree. It's like you know they they saved him, and he feels like he owes them almost, and he has come to a point of respect with them through fighting and stuff, which is you know 
the only way he knows how to communicate with them. There was that weird aspect of you're know, speaking with the people that have no words. Uh, I felt like he got the most communication through fighting, especially with that one tribesman or, or tribeswoman. Mm. Uh, I, I don't, I, the problem is, is these awesome characters have no names. So I, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, I would right. love to give that character was so bad ass that when they had that train scene and, and she takes the speeder bike and turns in and like slams it into the train and goes flying in, claims mm-hmm. the side, looks at Fett, goes in through that tiny window, doesn't bother going over to the big one. And then you watch her from the outside as the camera's paying along. She's just beating the hell yep. out of everybody. She mm-hmm. pops up through the hood, takes that guy out, <laughs> and takes the other. T- I'm like, oh yeah. my God. And mm-hmm. he had, by that point, you know, he'd been doing all that one-on-one fighting with her and, you know, the chieftain was watching and stuff. And it's like, you know, I don't know why it was important to him that he have a family, but that's what I was gathering is that they've accepted him. And mm-hmm. that's something he hasn't had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not even with Bane. Did he have something this, you know, close to what a family would be in a sense that's accepting him. Um, yeah. But to me, I really dug all the heritage aspects because, mm. I mean, I, I I knew Morrison brought in some of his stuff, but I got the vibe of, of Native American for the Tuscans a lot. Mm. Um, and I just absolutely loved the way that they did all those communicating through the fights and stuff, you know, and then they were never talking. It's like, wow. Well, but there was also a thing in which, if you remember the Mandalorian, when he first met up with the Tuscans, he was using American Sign Language. There was a couple points within this, this section of uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett Tomorrow Morrison was doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it may not have been a lot, but he was doing every once in a while the American Sign Language. I think, especially when it was like stop the train and he was doing I, I'm I'm not a sign language expert, but it did look right. like doing the exact same thing. Because he said before. he'd teach him to ride in the way yes. he put his hand on yeah. his hand. The way he put his hand to, which I, I thought I thought one thing that I thought was very funny when it came to writing, when he sat there and he was like on the on the speeder doing that jumping <laughs> up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was like cracking up when he did that. His big old smile. <laughs> yep. Yep. I did laugh. I felt like a 90% of his hand gestures in this episode was like him slapping his, like his, I don't even know how to describe this in an audio podcast. This may have been a poor topic to bring up, but he, he had his gesture for like, you know, thing moving where he's got the flat palm and his other palm is like slapping it and, or moving forward and back. And I felt like it seemed like that was the thing he said, like 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that the whole training montage and how first the Tuscans, you know, they, they had this mutual, they, they're both training each other, right? Uh, they they taught him how to use a gaffy stick and and how to dig for water and, and Tatooine. And the and he showed the Tuscans how to like ride speeder bikes. And he even went and, right. and, and stole these speeder bikes from none other than Tashi Station, which was pretty dang cool. Uh, well, I guess those weren't the power converters everybody thought Luke was looking forward <laughs> no. to. Oh, and we wait, even that get, was robot chicken. And we even got Cammy and Fixer cameos from I the New Hope deleted scenes. Until the credits. I was like, I saw the credits and I'm like, wait, Cammy and Fixer? Yeah. And I went back. So my Disney Plus is set that it doesn't play subtitles on the first watch. It only does it on the second watch. Mm, yeah. So I didn't catch that until the second time. And I'm like, Oh, it says it in the subtitles. Oh, slick. That's that. Oh, As I was watching, I was like, I had no they clue look who they were. so familiar. I can't place it. And it was driving me crazy. And then we got to the credits. I was like, of course, it's Cammy and Fixer. That's amazing. And that was legitimately the same actors that played both of them. No, in the I think it's different. Scene, I think right? it's different. Ac- it's no, different actors. Different. Yeah, but they did actors. a really good job casting because it looked like Cammy yeah, and Fixer. Yeah, they did. 
Because I, I, I thought her especially. I was just like, yeah. man, wow, dude, they, they have aged well. Well, take a look at the actress they got to play him on Mothma. I mean, almost, right. almost dead on. Yeah. Right. And that whole scene was so cool where Boba just walks into Tashi Station and just takes out the Nikto biker gang. And like, especially like he starts like hitting that one Nikto with his like with his cycler rifle uh, so much that the, the <laughs> rifle like breaks. <laughs> right. The look on his face when he switches to the stick, you're like, oh, dude, you're going to die. <laughs> my, my only thing is I want to know what was on the back of their biker jackets because they had this nice biker jacket with this big patch on the back. I want to yeah. know what that said. Was it like, you know, Tatooine Biker Club? Um, new members welcome anything like that i don't care i want to know what's on the back it's all of it. sons of tatooine <laughs> there you go well wait a minute. did you say twin sons or sons because it has to be twin sons, twin of, sons tatooine. of tatooine right. yes oh okay so let, let's switch gears and talk about we we talked about it briefly but um let's dive into the repulsor train scene a bit more that whole battle i thought was so well done i know last week i complained that some of the combat felt a bit like they're pulling their punches you know mm-hmm. uh, in, in the first mm-hmm. chapter one that was not the case in this episode no. at all it looked so good the star wars yep. fast and the furious <laughs> i i don't know what it is but maybe something's about when the gaffy stick is involved that's when all the great choreography comes out but it yeah phenomenal just him like running down the train and that the, you know the scene you mentioned earlier mark with the the, the tuscan warrior um Really cool stuff. Um, it's also interesting to see like the how the the train works with like the the engineer droid and the locomotive and yeah, uh, you know the, how the droid was like trying to increase the speed to blow everyone off the top with like that giant engine. Uh, really cool design for the vehicle. Great action. You know, seeing the Tuscans like jump off the speeder bikes onto the train and then they're like, almost falling off and uh, just the whole scene was very very well done. Yeah. And I had wondered at first, like, you know, why you would put the repulsor up there. But then I was like thinking about it. I'm like, you know, a lot of these type of trains, apparently from the Han Solo movie to now, you know, get robbed. So that is actually not a bad place to put that. Because mm-hmm. he's you like yelling at the one guy, you need to get And down. you can blow people off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that last one, man, that poor Pike went flying. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yes. Wow. And, and, now, and you was, mentioned- was it really poor to see a Pike go flying? <laughs> It was cool to see the pikes in live action, like with a mask off, like mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah. Cause after they took the train out and I, I kept thinking, you know, like for the Tuscans, like, or even Jawas later, that train is going to be great to live in. You know, you bury that in the sand. Like, yeah, you'd be set. And then when they broke open the water, I'm like, you guys are wasting all that water. What the hell? I'm like, oh my God, the moisture farmers are going to have a great two months, but you guys are screwed. <laughs> The crop yields are great this season. <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, God, too funny. No, it was cool, though. I love seeing the pikes unmasked. Um, bringing in the pikes in general and the fact they're, like, transporting yeah. spice across Tatooine and the Dune Sea. <laughs> what spice? What yeah, that was funny. That was funny. What spice? And all of a sudden, it just falls right open. Oh. <laughs> that spice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's a common theme with these people on Tatooine. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? You know, yeah. um, uh, whether it's the major dormo or the mayor or the the pikes, like everyone just like, I don't I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh wait, oh that yeah okay, that's gotcha. what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> uh, 
Plausible um, deniability and full-on deniability go hand in hand in the Tatooine yeah. Sands. And in, in the end, you know, Boba Fett struck a deal between the Pikes and the the Tuscans, and the um, the Pikes are now allowed to use the land as long as they pay tribute to the Tuscans. And the Tuscans will now yeah, even they're pro- under protection of the, the Tuscans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like any good mafia, yeah. you know, you're under our protection. Um, yeah, it was really cool. So you know, it sounds like. You know, the I don't know if we'll see any more of the pikes in this this season, but the at least they will be, you know, kind of working for the or uh, maybe cooperating a bit more with the Tuscans. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is how if Boba just will just con- continue to do this, and that's how he ends up wanting to take over Jabba's empire and become the new daimyo. I don't I don't know. Um, I I think I think there's going to be another run in with the pikes. Because we've seen the Pikes throughout animation, they always they, they don't like to lose. They're going to show up again. I really want to see them again though, because I I was like that is so cool to see the Pikes. Mm-hmm. You think he's yeah. going to run into some of Bib Fortuna's gang in the past at some point too? Like mm-hmm. I would think that that would be part of the last flashback is him finding out that Bib Fortuna set up uh, shop whether the bibs doing things more shady than fed or maybe he knows reasons why bib fortuna would be a bad person to put in charge you know i i just see that being another one flashback tie-in i don't mm-hmm. see a lot of story there that they would have to do flashbacks through the entire series right. um well you know mark that's a good, i could see one more that's a good point maybe what they end up doing is instead cause i i They've, now they've established the format. I think they're going to continue to use flashbacks throughout the season, This even yep. if I don't know what they're going to tell yet. So one theory, it could be maybe they, you know, maybe they want to show, um, well, they, they'll, they'll, now that Boba's kind of helped the Tuscans, right? Maybe he, he, I don't know, ends up going to the city and, or learns that the, the that uh, uh, Vib Fortuna and some of the other denizens of Tatooine are, are also mistreating maybe it's the Tuscans, maybe it's other people on Tatooine and maybe he's kind of his whole motivation and we find slowly find out his motivations for wanting to take over is that you know people aren't aren't they're they're not good and he wants to he wants to rule so he can make things better just like he made things better right. for the Tuscans he wants to make things better for I don't know the people of Tatooine or whatever I that's really the only motivation I can think of so and far that makes and sense but and maybe like we'll see Steven him take out said, though. We need to see when and why he shifted to that. Exactly. And that's that's mm-hmm. the, the biggest uh struggle I have with the show so far. So so maybe it. what we'll see is cuz he did say dreams plural. So maybe we'll see the flashbacks to the Tuscan stuff stop and maybe from there on we'll go farther back because there have been touches to Camino and his dad so maybe the the rest of the season's flashbacks would go back even farther, maybe even yeah. bring in live action Cad Bane in the past. And part of why he decided that, you know, there there needs to be more honor in my profession or something mm, like maybe yeah. we find out, you know, he sees more about Cad Bane or something or, or something of the life when he was with Cad. I could see um, that more flashbacks to his past. And that, that gives I, yeah, a lot of opportunity I, I to bring in these that. other characters and then more flashbacks to, post Tuscan the post Tuscan story where he's more dealing with because like the one the one uh, kind of frustrating thing is like we see him kill Bib Fortuna at the end of the Mandalorian but if you didn't watch the Mandalorian's like you know post credit scene all of a sudden like Bib Fortuna's dead 
you know, Boba is in, in Jabba's throne. And so I suspect maybe the flashbacks will continue all the way up until the point where he kills Bib Fortuna, takes mm-hmm. over Jabba's throne. And then it's like, okay, now we're at where the series began. You know, I could see that one. Yeah. I could see that playing. I don't know. No, only Dave Filoni and Favreau know. Yeah. Oh, and, and Rodriguez too. So <laughs> either way, it's, for me, I thought this episode was a. I, while I enjoyed the last episode, I thought this episode was a huge improvement as far as like yep. building uh, momentum and excitement for what is to come. And I really and, and and showing even more of like the Tuscan culture was really cool. Um, I'm excited. I hope we spend more time in the present now going forward. But the what we got was really cool. I don't know. Any 100%. other thoughts or should we get into our, our ratings? I'm good. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Let's rate this. Let's do it. So who wants to go first? You know what, Mark, you're the guest. You go first. Okay. Are, are we still womp rats around? We oh, are. We're st- we, uh, especially on Tatooine, you know, and, and you know, that's what's missing from this show. Let's let's be <laughs> honest here, especially in a city as big as Mos Espa. I mean, maybe you the would, next you would think in next week. Spoiler alert. Right? Next week, we're going to see the Tuscans doing target practice with. Yeah. Womp there you rats. go. Hashtag. Yep, where's go. my womp? Rats? Or maybe they have pet <laughs> womp rats. We actually don't know. You know, I, I'm going to I'm going to give this uh are we doing out of 10? Out of 10. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I think I'm going to give it a solid seven Womp Rats. Um, you know, for what we've got so far, it's definitely the best episode, but you know, that's almost valedictorian to summer school status since we only have two. Uh, but I really enjoyed the heck out of what we got. Um, the sand people, the, the, tribal leaders costume the costumery in general mm-hmm. i mean i found myself really noticing small details like from the, the different colors of the twi'leks to the different little tanks on each of the tuscan raiders and how they wore their belts um so i re- i think that really made the whole world feel so lived in for me that i enjoyed that but the whole way that they did the flashback story with the train was definitely one of the the better star Wars stories that I've had in a while. And I really enjoyed that for what it was. So mm-hmm. that definitely seven, uh, womp rats and my womp rats are all drabbed out in their little finery of Tuscan, uh, greatness with the little ribbons and stuff in their own little tanks. They look cute, like little reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh very funny. nice. Yeah. I, I'm happy to go next. If you guys want the, you know, I think I actually started to say this earlier. The ultimately this episode was a huge improvement, you know, um, mm-hmm. The while the last episode was cool to see, you know, him getting out of the Sarlacc and um, and, you know, started to set up the present. I feel like this really introduced so many aspects uh, that I'm very excited about, whether it's, you know, the dynamic with the twins, the huts, uh, Black Kersantan probably is going to have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, appearance soon. We've got um, the, you know, they kind of explain now how and why Boba Fett uh, is is so friendly with the Tuscans. Um, and, and, you know, how he got his gaffy stick and his robes and everything. And I think they, they finally kind of, uh, set things in, laid the groundwork and now they can start telling the story more going forward, uh, and kind of progressing the plot even more. So I'm excited. Um, I thought the action was really cool. Also, was it just me or did the train at first for a brief second? I thought, is that a, um, when the, the train started coming and we heard that, that sound uh, effect 
right? It almost sounded like a crate dragon at first. And I had a thought it was. And I was like, are they bringing another? They're already doing another crate dragon. And then no, it was a, it was a train. I thought it was a good a good fake out. So um, yeah, overall, I'm gonna give this uh, eight womp rats uh, out of ten. And my eight womp rats. Well, you know, typically we we rate with the the, the adult womp rats. But what you didn't know is that the 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 lizard is actually a baby womp rat. And so I've got eight baby womp rats that are all going <laughs> to crawl up inside of people's noses and give them weird hallucinations. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> William. I think I'm going to go next. I can't top that. And I, I know what I'm doing with my womp rats. And there's no way I'm topping that one. So I'm leaving you with that one, William. Um, I love this episode. I think with this one... Um, I hate to say this, I think this is the episode we should have had last week, but last week needed to be done because we needed to see how everything set up this episode. So I loved it. I That whole train thing, to me, that whole fight thing, that was how Dave Rodriguez directs fight scenes. If you go back to when Tamara Morrison was introduced into Mandalorian, and everybody's just like, oh my God, it's like, that's how he directs his scenes, his fight scenes, over the top, just brutal as heck, a lot of fun, Everything going on, kitchen sink was thrown in there, especially when you had the repulsor lift blow the guy off the the train. So there's the kitchen sink. Everything's great, fine and dandy. And that that train conductor, to see that basically get basically jump out of the train engine and skitter away, that was great. So um, I'm giving it eight womp rats. My eight womp rats. Well, you see, this is what happened. Eight womp rats got together and said, "Look." They went to Dave Rodriguez and said, "Look, here's the thing." Um, you're going to try and pull off this joke about no rancor in uh, Boba Fett. I mean, in, in now in Boba Fett's lair. So these eight womp rats tried to put together like a big puppet of a rancor. So try and imagine these little itty bitty womp rats trying to put together this big rancor that would come walking out as a puppet. And they showed it to him and naturally it didn't work. That's why there was no, no um, rancor in Jabba's pit because the eight womp rats um, were fired, even though they tried, they were fired off the set because they tried something that didn't work. Yub, yub, commander. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. So, that's Steve. awesome. You're up, Steven. Oh, so I generally agree with all of you. I thought this was a great improvement over the previous episode, and I kind of wish this was the first episode because it, it did a lot more to set up the pieces. I still think the fact that we're bouncing back and forth between past and, and present is making it a little bit tough to really create a uh, a strong narrative thread for the episode. We're just not getting enough to, of either timeline in a lot of ways to really uh, make that work, especially in the present timeline. I think the past here worked much better with kind of the train piece and having that as a self-contained story. Um, so I'm gonna give it a seven out of 10 Womp Rats. I think it's an, a seven, it's an improvement from the previous episode. I really wanna see them, I, I don't know, put like the na the narrative thesis out into the world um i think we got pretty close and i think we just needed uh i don't know some event between maybe the hudson boba and the next episode mm -hmm. to really kick things off now the one thing we didn't talk about that i was very confused by um and this will this will factor into my uh womp rat my how what my seven womp rats are doing um so boba fett steals the speeders and brings them back to the tuscan camp and it really looked like he had the speeder he was on and made two maybe three speeders that were pulled along with him but when we got to the train sequence, I felt like I saw like five or six different speeders, including the like three or four that got destroyed and then two more that showed up at the end. And it just didn't make much sense to me. Like clearly there was a gap here. My seven womp rats 
once you know they saw the speeders, they helped the Tuscans and went and stole more speeders so that they had enough to kind of fulfill the plot of the episode. It was a really cool scene, but they they felt tonally didn't work, so they cut that out. But uh, hopefully, you know, and the deleted <laughs> scenes on the DVD, we'll get to see the the great Womp Rat heist, as it were. <laughs> oh, hey, Disney Plus, there's a new series right there, the, the Great Womp Rat uh, Heist. I mean, it's Womp basically Rat the Bad Seven. Batch, but with Womp there Rats, right? Bad Batch, but with Womp Rats. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness and on that note i think uh i think we're uh, wrapping things up mark oh my gosh it's so much fun to have you on thank you so much for joining us this is always a pleasure to have you thank you guys no i always yeah, i always, I always enjoy coming on i'm looking forward to coming on again to some other time some maybe uh bad batch when uh, season two drops oh yeah we'd together. love yeah. to have you on for Definitely. some bad batch um, the, yeah, in the meantime, you guys just celebrated, as we said at the top of the show, your 10th anniversary of Star Wars Beyond the Films. Congratulations. Congrats. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. You want to tell crazy. people where All they can, uh, find you online? They want to hear Well, more? it's, it's next door to where you're listening to Ion Cannon over at www.starwarsreport.com. Well, what's on that? the second airborne. Yeah, <laughs> www.starwarsreport.com. Gotta love the second airborne division of podcasts. podcasts. So many of them are yeah. now 10 year podcasts and we got more coming. Uh, wow. as we were talking about bookworms is really close to their 10 year now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think about that with Riley retiring, you know, we're, we're really blessed that oh, there are so many great shows on the network and all of us are all really tight friends and, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's really cool, man. And to have been doing this now for 10 years for this show, uh, right. beyond the films, I mean, that I've been 10 years with Riley on the Star Wars report, but beyond the films has always been kind of like my baby. Cause I want to do something that was at the time, you know, the book bound, you know, something that, that did more focus on legends at that time before it, the split and stuff. But since then it's been more, you know, what lies beyond your fandom when that's, that's kind of our adventure. <laughs> and it's been fun. Uh, Nathan retired, Jim uh, Lahane came onto the show, both of which are timeliners. So, you know, the show has shifted gears a little bit, but uh, it's pretty much still the same old, same old, um, so it's been a lot of fun doing and, you know, being on the network with you guys and all the other people. It's 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 been awesome. It's been a fun last 10 years. Yeah, it has. Congratulations. And yeah, you are yeah, online uh, at Logical Rogue 2, I believe. Yep. 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 Yeah. I'm out there on even tw uh, TikTok. I'm uh, ah. you can follow my Lego adventure as I put all my Legos back together on time lapse. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, thank you again for having for coming on. We're going to get you back on uh, for uh, some of the other upcoming series. This is going to yep. be an exciting year for Star Wars fans with lots of cool stuff happening. Uh, so you will be uh, you will definitely, definitely be back. Uh, You'll be on soon. Um, other than that, I think that's that's about it. That's all we have for this week. We're. Uh, Excited for chapter three, so tune in uh, next week for our review of chapter three of The Book of Boba Fett. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. 
The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.